0: Welcome to the Make You Famous Podcast, where host Jeffrey Goldsmith talks with guests about fame and how to achieve it. I'm your host, Jeffrey Goldsmith. And check out the book at MakeYouFamous.co. Hi there. Uh, we have Dana Ullman with us today. He's been involved in homeopathy since... 1973. ABC News 2020 uh, called Dana homeopathy's former spokesman and Time Magazine described him as a leading proselytizer of homeopathy. So um, I'll let you introduce yourself Dana. Welcome. Oh all right well hello everybody out there. Uh,
1: my name is Dana Ullman. I've written ultimately ten books on homeopathic medicine. I'm honored that two of these books include a forward by the physician to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. So homeopathy may be new to people out there, but it's not some type of new age fangled thing, unless you want to consider the royal, or
0: the Queen of England to be a new age woman. I don't think many of you would do that. So I I think we originally started talking about doing this podcast, Dana, because um, you told you, you didn't tell me the story, and I'm curious to hear, that you you became widely known and sort of famous, as it were, in an unusual way. Like, how how did you come to the public attention? Well, in
1: 1976, uh, I got arrested for practicing medicine without a license, and um, uh, ultimately, Ten months later, we ended up winning the court case, and uh, that created a lot of media for for me so um, and, and basically, it gave me a platform um, and I still been on that platform um, though i did it did change my life professionally because instead of going into practice as I, although I am in practice now, um, uh, I ended up going to the School of Public Health at UC Berkeley and getting my master's degree and uh, decided to work for several decades on uh, not just writing 10 books and publishing 40 and writing in medical textbooks, including ultimately four medical textbooks, uh, a chapter on homeopathy, uh, instead of practicing, I worked on educating and health policy issues, and ultimately
0: mm-hmm. changing the world. <laughs> so that, that, that's quite a, that's, a, it, that's what everybody wants to do in some way. So, you know, was that? Uh, uh, it, it brings to mind the expression: to, um, "It's better to um, ask forgiveness than than permission." Right? You you went and practiced medicine without a license, and then you tell me why? I mean, what what what? What motivated you to do that, and, and how did you win the court case, and, and what kind of press did you get at that time? Right, right. Let's focus right, right, on right. that for a moment.
1: Well, yeah. you know, I come from a medical family. My father is a pediatrician with a specialty in allergy, and it's a little ironic mm-hmm. that his specialty would be allergy, because in allergy, uh, they give you small doses of that which you're allergic to to held up, help build up resistance to that particular allergen. it's a tad karmic because that principle of using small doses to build up the body's immune system to what larger doses may cause derives from homeopathic medicine. Right. Uh, Right. And so um, my bottom line is, is I didn't actually purposely seek to be arrested. That was not my goal or intention. Uh, mm-hmm. I knew that was a possibility um and in fact, uh what ended up happening, I was living in a household of six people uh mm-hmm. four women and one man, and the guy sort of did the other guy didn't fit in well um he was a libertarian and had a nine to five job and he was sort of what you might call a hyper-rationalist, and he was skeptical of homeopathy. I have no problem with anyone being skeptical. I even asked him if he, I challenged him even, if he wanted to do an experiment on himself uh, where I would give him a homeopathic remedy, uh, and he refused, But so when he moved out of the house, he wrote a letter to the medical board saying that I was uh, hanging out with people involved in yoga and bioenergetics and the like, and praying upon murgatroyd. yeah, <laughs> heavens, the murgatroid exactly, and praying upon <laughs> uh, Berkeley types, uh, you know those people with advanced degrees, you know, you know they're they're so easily prayable, and um, and. And ultimately, they sent out an agent posing as a patient. It's the only time in my life I actually ever had a sense that the guy was an agent and I asked him directly uh, if he was an agent, but then didn't even give him a chance to answer and I simply said, well, you know I'm not a doctor. I'm not doing anything illegal. Um, And he came in and I ended up taking his case and giving him a homeopathic medicine. He came back a week later uh, saying that he was having a fever And I said, that's a really good sign. Um, It's suggesting that the homeopathic medicine is working. Uh, Come back in a week when you're better. Here he was really trying to nail me, you know, of treating him when he's formally sick, and here I was telling him to come back when he's better because the the homeopathic medicine may have initiated a healing and that that this acute illness was simply a part of it. Um, And then I gave him a second medicine when he finally came back the third time. Um, we ended up winning the case because my lawyer, who was, had a special interest in alternative medicine, felt that there was a difference between medical care and health care, and that most of the laws that define the practice of medicine, define the practice of medicine as the diagnosis and treatment of disease. Mm-hmm. Sounds like that's what it is, indeed. But I... I made it clear, and my lawyer made it clear, that I never said what disease he had. He told me what disease he had. He had eczema, and he had a chronic cold. Um, wow. And I, I, I elicited his unique symptoms of these particular uh, syndrome of symptoms, and then I ultimately prescribed a medicine that, if given to healthy people, would cause these very similar syndrome of symptoms. Because the idea in homeopathy is that in homeopathy, we believe in evolution. And I know this might sound strange, but conventional doctors do not seem to believe in evolution. Because if they did, they would, ha- they would realize that our symptoms are our body's and mind's effort to survive. That our fever, our headache, our pain, our high blood pressure, our various, even emotions and mental states, are our body's survival methods. And they're they're not breakdown, they're ways that our body is doing whatever it can to survive. And we've been doing this for tens of thousands of years. And, And instead of using drugs that counter Go against the body's wisdom. In homeopathy, we look for a medicine that mimics the body's wisdom. So if you have a fever of a certain type, you look for a medicine that would create heat in the body. If you, so, if
0: you, so, if, oh, go, go ahead. Okay.
1: And if they have diarrhea or they have a na- nasal discharge, you look for a medicine that creates that similar fever with diarrhea and a nasal discharge. And, and so by mimicking the body's wisdom, you strengthen the body. So ultimately, we said health care is not the diagnosis of a disease, but it's the treatment of a person.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so because my lawyer was also a malpractice attorney, he felt that malpractice wasn't just the result of doctors making mistakes, but sometimes patients expecting more from doctors than doctors can do. I mean, a lot of health care isn't the result of some Medical uh, deficiency of valium, a deficiency of, you know, um, a statin or something. The idea is, uh, what we anyway, what he said was that part of the problem is people don't expect more from doctors. So uh, he believed that having a contract in a healthcare relationship would be very helpful. So as long as I wrote out exactly what I will be doing for the person's health care and that the patient would have a role in his or her health care, that we we can agree to contract for services. As long as I am not invading the body with surgical procedures, that I'm not uh, prescribing controlled substances, um, that I wasn't practicing medicine. There you go. And
0: as it turns out... but I, I want to dial back to something you sure. said a little bit earlier. I, I think I got the the point here is that you you had a loop you had a series of loopholes that your that your lawyer um, um, found that most likely. Well, let's talk about that in a moment. But you you know you said something that was key for I, I think for, for li- listeners and the, for to understand is that you that this case gave you press and 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 allowed you to make the point that. Homeopathy is a valid, um, way to treat people for symptoms and for, for what, what ills them. And that gave you a platform for them to, to speak out. Oftentimes, what happens is that people become, quote unquote, famous and they get some press, but then they don't take it to the next level. They don't use the opportunity that the media has awarded them to create a, uh, to, to use that as a platform, or to, to, to keep, um, uh, pushing the envelope and what they're trying to do. So talk talk about that a little bit. Like how did you then decide to? Well, what was the next step and and what was your thought process around around? Okay, well first uh, you know, of all, I mean campaign? because this was a court case having a. Uh decision
1: in this case mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The San Francisco Chronicle and the San Francisco Examiner both interviewed me several different mm-hmm. uh, Actually, the three major TV stations interviewed me some radio mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then some national press not a lot but some mm-hmm. national press mm-hmm. as it turns out a reporter for Rolling Stone did a wanted to do an article but Rolling Stone Even though this was a pretty well-known journal, science journalist they turned it down, which was, you know, one of my early, early regrets. But in any case. Um, it happened. So, you know, the, the bottom line is, is I don't know if I had any specific plan other than I, it, this successful experience uh, gave me a, cha- a decision to change my professional direction. Instead of going into and continuing my clinical practice, I went to the School of Public Health. Um, and then the, the whole school of public health is more oriented towards changing social and political and economic systems more than changing individuals. And mm-hmm. because I had an early what would be called a holistic view, which means not just changing a person but changing an environment, and because I was sort of had some degree of political appreciation, th- that was a little different from those of uh, those people that were. Involved in the early stages of alternative medicine and some new age types of stuff. But I liked being that bridge where I liked talking politics to people that weren't interested in it and that more in, were interested in their personal growth and personal transformation. And I was interested in talking personal transformation and spiritual stuff to the political people that were more interested in changing social and political systems. And so, you know, to me, both. Uh, extremes were inappropriate, and that an integrative approach seemed to be the best way so you know uh over that process over those couple decades, you know writing teaching educating um, and and then having that initial platform gave me um, a sort of a, a, a pulpit. To do so i mean it yes. worked for jesus didn't it i mean he was arrested for
0: it, practicing medicine without a license <laughs> uh but it, it worked for martin luther king it worked <laughs> for uh for prince and and uh <laughs> and you know it, it worked that's how i think it works so, so <laughs> what advice you know you, there's all kinds of folks that are in their 20s and in their 30s who are practicing healing arts what advice you give to them to to create a platform from the, for themselves to affect change in society to, to you know that that's your that's your forte is, right. is 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 healing people how can you know what can you say to them what 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 do they need to do to to have a greater voice in the healthcare system in the in the united states and the world
1: well first of all you know it is good to have a specialty one should not specialize in healing I mean, OHUM, oh I mean, you know, you're not getting any – I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, okay. so you have to specialize in something, mm-hmm, whether that mm-hmm. be a specific method like homeopathy or a mm-hmm. specific uh, audience. I mean, whether that be uh, infants, children, kids with autism, kids with ADD, ADHD, um, seniors, uh or with, you know, mental health issues. Um, so one should narrowcast it a bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. You you cannot and should not assume that you can offer something for everybody, although you may, in fact, have a message for everybody. um, uh, Unless you define more specifically what you're doing and your specialty, you, you won't get your head above the crowd, and you won't individuate, and you do need to separate yourself out in some shape, way, or form.
0: There you go. That that's really good advice, Dana. Right? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, that that's um because I think um you know practical advice like that is super helpful if you're if you're having a career and you you know everybody wants to you know more um, followers and more you know more people to hear their voices, especially if they're knowledgeable, right? And and I think what you're saying is that you know going deep. Uh, in a, an area and becoming sort of an expert, then when, you know, journalists are going to want to talk to you because you really know what you're talking about. You're really going to be able to inform people. It's not, uh, you know, wanting to help people and be famous f- for that just in and of itself isn't enough. It, it's <laughs> sort of an empty pursuit. But, you know, if you really, like, learn your craft as you did and then seek out um uh, a a way to uh create change then you know i i think that that's a valid reason to become famous and and you know you're going to bring value to the world be some kind of right
1: I didn't really I try and become famous. I mean, it, it ended up happening because right. of this specific yeah. situation, and right. but then I mean, it isn't enough to even just um, dwell on that because you know what I began doing is I began writing articles, uh, began mm-hmm. writing books, um, mm-hmm. later began publishing books, began
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, not not just books that i'd give to another publisher but Mm -hmm. i hooked up with a a a local berkeley publishing house called north atlantic Mm -hmm. books um who was a small to middle-sized publishing company and i'd bring them Mm -hmm. an author um and then we would co-publish books together and over the last 10 years they've had their books distributed by random house so that expanded their um their reach and expanded then Mm -hmm. my reach um Mm -hmm. And then, of course, began writing blogs, initially for the Huffington Post. And, and and by the way, you know, although some people say, well, my subject is too controversial. Well, you can make that work for you. I mean, um, initially no. when I began writing for the Huffington Post, um, there were a lot of people that would read my articles and, and then write comments and attacking me and attacking homeopathy. But then that brought out the lovers. I mean, literally my first 30 articles, uh, had on average 1000 comments per article <laughs> incredible <laughs> so controversy really. uh,
0: is that's mean, the hallmark of your career you yeah the yeah. controversial yeah,
1: yeah. now yeah. now mind you i'm also lucky in that homeopathy has a body of scientific research Mm-hmm. You know, so I would draw on that, uh, and also it has a fascinating history of of both famous people and famous things that happened to it. And you know, I I always believe that whenever uh, I write an article, I have to get a person's attention. I I not only have to have an important message, I have to to that first paragraph has to grab a person, mm-hmm. um, and um, and then you owe you owe. Always in my writing, I try and highlight certain quotes or certain statements or certain studies or certain things, so I make those bold. not um, even then, repeat it at the end how important something specific is.
0: Um, well, I I, I I could do that right now. So create controversy, specialize in something, write books. You're you're giving people a formula for for having great careers, Dana. I think this is super helpful. <laughs>
1: Well, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's more than great careers. I mean, it's having a life of meaning, having a, a life of impact. Actually, that's a better way of saying it: having right. a life yeah, of yeah. impact. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and to me, that's
0: worthwhile. Um, okay. Oh so. Well, and I think the, the the fame is a is a platform to to create that impact. So. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this has been a really, I, do you have anything else to add? I, I, I'm trying to keep these relatively short so they're listenable. And I, I can, you know, I think you've helped me write the introduction, you know, that I'm going to put on, uh, the blog. So, to introduce people to this. And, and it, basically, uh, we just summed it up. It's, it, it, and, um, I think uh, I think that's that's plenty, Dana. Look, yeah, I, I guess way, I, I
1: want to simply say is, is that if you if you have uh, if you have onions or if you have shit in your life, compost it. <laughs> I mean, make use of it, um, and and um, and then wear it as a badge of honor. Um, you know, some people try and embarrass me saying you were arrested for practicing medicine a license, weren't you? you yeah, damn right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you thank go. Me. Good good uh good, good we we are closing it as we as we began. Well All thank right. you very much, Dina, and we'll, we'll I'll see you around, okay? Indeed. All right. Okay. Right. Right. Thanks for listening and be sure to check out the book at makeyoufamous co.